Hello and welcome to Ravished. I'm Nick. And I'm Donna and we're back for season two. Join us on your favorite podcast platform as we embark on our next adventure into the wondrous world of all things romance. We're bringing historical, contemporary, new releases and old, and more film reviews just for you. So get ready, get comfortable, and tune in. Season two is here. Let's go get ravished. Hello and welcome to My Lit Podcast. It's me, your host, Donna. Thank you for joining me in my second episode. After recording my introductory episode, I truly planned on getting hot and heavy right into beginning my book again by rereading it so I could remember all the things. However, life. There's no fantastic lie to make up or anything that sounds good. But like I said in the previous episode, I'm a mom who works full time. My little girl just started daycare and within three days had pink eye. (laughs) It's been challenging or rough or awful, whichever. On top of it all, like with the book I'm writing, I want this podcast to be value added to anyone's day who chooses to listen to it so I knew I wanted to take my time and not overload myself and get something done not just do it to do it you know one of the labels I put as the header on my Instagram for this podcast at Donna's Lit Podcast is self-care I'm eight months postpartum and I consider this podcast self-care for me It's cathartic. It's an outlet for me to have that's mine. I've also been trying to do things in my everyday life that aren't necessarily like spa days, which I would love, but things that make me look at myself at the end of the day and say, you did a good job today, Donna. You actually made sure there were no dishes in the sink when the house went to bed for the night. You put away all those clean clothes you washed, you know? Little things like that help me be kind to myself and make me feel good. Like, I am being a thoughtful parent and person. And like, last night, I took my two babies for a mile and a half walk and I felt so happy with myself after I didn't realize how many hills there were going to be before I started my little evening walk (laughs) but it felt really good to do it my kids got to enjoy some beautiful weather the trees are turning colors as I speak and we got to see some fun spooky halloween decor people have been putting up around the neighborhood so it was just a good time it also felt good and i didn't despise it felt good though and i didn't despise myself at the end of the night for mindlessly scrolling through social media It takes so much of my time that I don't even want to be spending. Like, I legit do not want to be on my phone like this. 
but I just become a zombie and not really looking at anything or learning anything. I'm, it just distracts me from my kids and from enjoying the world around me. You know, I kind of miss the less plugged in era of days gone by. <laughs> And speaking of days gone by, um, hello, NSYNC releases their new song in over 22 years. Better place. Wow. 2023 is magical. One of our top moments of the year as a world for real. Diehard NSYNC fan right here and literally in all my feels. What a way to go into fall. Best movie promotion idea of all time. Trolls 3. Like, you guys are winning. For real. Good job. I'm. You're making so much money. Can't even. <laughs> well, anywho, I decided I began reading my novel again. It has a title, <laughs> but I don't think this is the title that's gonna be the title by December 31st. I'm not completely sold. It's currently titled This Love. The story takes place in the late 1800s and the main character is 18 year old Amelia Abigail Pierce. She's a well-off young lady from Boston who has two siblings and a widower father. On the night of her first ball, she's told by her father that she's moving to Savannah. Like, he's uprooting the family and they're going to Savannah, Georgia for this business opportunity. And Amelia's pretty gutted, to say the least. Uh, Throughout this story, Amelia's pursued by two separate gentlemen, of course, because why not? Uh, William Livingston and Anthony Hollings. And by the end of the book, she will be with one of these men. Do we know? No, we do not. (laughs) We do not know who. (laughs) All right, so I wanted to kind of give you guys some background on the characters and who they are in my head and in their world that I created. So Amelia is a beautiful, of course, duh, humble young lady. She's got wealth and beauty. She's shy though. A lot of the other girls in her social class are pretty snobby and look down upon others or flaunt the wealth of their families, but Amelia really doesn't associate with them much. Most of her life, her best friend has been her older brother, Louie. So she's pretty sheltered, to say the least. She does not get out much, and as soon as she's about to start going out and having a social life, her father, you know, says, yo, get in the car, we're leaving. Just kidding, guys. There's no cars in this story. I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but he uproots them and takes them to the deep south, which, hello, completely different dynamic than Boston, to say the least, which I know I've said that several times now. But seriously, come on, total opposites. Now, what made me do this is I wanted Amelia to be uncomfortable. I wanted her to have a jarring experience going from being so familiar with northern customs and attitudes to diving into the deep south post-civil war. 
Now, in no way would I ever choose to like romanticize the Civil War. That is definitely not at all happening here or in the story. Civil War was so ignorant. Um, come on. Everybody says, oh, and states' rights. It wasn't slavery. But what was the right the states were fighting for? They were fighting for the right to be able to have slaves. And not slaves. I apologize for using that word. Enslaved people. And that's not okay. It's not. Period. There is no arguing. You're wrong if you think enslaved people want to be enslaved or that it's right to do that just don't come near me okay anyways the post-war era was a way Amelia's father got his money uh, in the shipping business because the north really you know gutted the south's economy throughout the war and Amelia's father was able to gain from that and in post-war era the north just you know dominated at that time in history the nation was changing so rapidly and there were people very connected to those who lost lives in the war that there are tensions there that make it an interesting dynamic to have a rich northern young lady come to the south and kind of give the southern bells a run for their money and the civil war it's not like constantly brought up throughout this story but it's just a thing it happened so it's part of their daily not daily because it's not mentioned like beating a dead horse in this book but it's like acknowledged I think is a good way to say it we're not pretending like it didn't happen all right so also like I said in my introductory episode I was sick of reading the same storylines over and over again and I had never read a story like this. Families didn't uproot themselves back then like they do now. It wasn't a thing to just pick up and move. So I thought it would be interesting. I don't know. I mean a lot of times even now you know I have cousins who lived in the same town their entire lives um and the town is right next to the town where my grandparents lived or our great grandparents lived down the road you know what I mean like it's very common for people to stay where their family's from and not leave there um I don't fall into that category maybe that's why I felt like this was a good idea because I've moved around so much in the military so yeah I like it <laughs> um I also decided to choose America for the setting of this story. If you listened to the first episode, you heard me discuss how my favorite romance genre is Regency romance stories. If you look at my Kindle library, I cannot get enough, it seems. They are an addiction. I've always loved history. In school, I, it was U.S. history, like, I loved it. I even won awards for it, like, junior and senior year of high school. It was so interesting to me. Um, so, shout out to Ms. Hunter, who always drank a Dr. Pepper and who, thought, who taught history so well. Like, you made it so much fun. It was college-level classes that I was kind of scared to take, but 
it was so easy because of how you taught it. So thanks, Miss Hunter. I miss you. Anywho, Regency and historical romance, for those who don't know me personally, they just make sense that I am into them. That was the whole point of me explaining all that. I didn't choose the Regency time period though because if you can't tell from my beautiful nasal accent, <laughs> I am American. I may read Regency era romances like nobody's business, okay? but I did not want to do a disservice to the genre or disgrace myself by writing about things I'm not 100% comfortable with. Like, for example, the peerage title still slipped me up and all of the happenings with England and Europe during that time period aren't really in my noggin like the US events are. Um, several years ago, I got to go on a trip with President Obama to London and it was like I could have cried because we stayed in Grubner Hotel across from Hyde Park like just looking at it you know I couldn't believe I was looking at the Hyde Park I went walking there with some like a friend from work and just like oh my gosh this is where they did the you know evening ride and afternoon ride or whatever it was called where they everyone could see their finery and it was just so incredible um to see that I definitely want to go back and I got to go to you know a tea room and have high tea it was amazing ah I had English breakfast tea every single morning it was to die for I loved it and um <laughs> yeah take me back I want to be served a pot of tea every morning <laughs> and I was super skinny and eating like they bring out this like like um, metal thing that has slices of bread in between it that are toasted and um gee I think I ate a whole one of those every morning too because I was so skinny and lucky to have such a great metabolism <laughs> but yeah okay recommend next I remember the first romance novel I began writing the one that was destroyed in my laptop about 12 years ago I kept having my in-house publisher aka my mom <laughs> my personal historical fiction expert read it and she kept pointing out how some of the language I had my characters using wasn't from that time period so that was pretty embarrassing to me um and I was like yikes what am I doing <laughs> like I made that book Regency and I didn't put a lot of research into it I was just going on what I was reading in the books I was reading you know and I'm be like um that word wasn't used back then that doesn't sound right and I think it put a little bug in my ear that made me very self-conscious about that with this book 
and even now, whenever I'm reading books, I scrutinize them for their language. I get modernizing the way the characters speak, though in most circumstances, because the language has evolved, you know, and the average person reading a book isn't gonna understand jargon from 200 years ago, but authors sometimes take it too far where it feels a bit unnatural for the period. Like, I don't enjoy that. I wanna feel like I'm immersed in this world, you know? So, while, you know, rereading my text, I was Googling words, making sure they were used. And uh, if you read my book and it has words that were not used during that time period, I'm sorry. I'm not perfect, but I did my best. Um, but I literally looked up the word really while I was reading the novel and it became a word in the 1400s. So I'm good. Okay. I did that. <laughs> While catching up on the book, I keep seeing myself more and more in Amelia. I mean, I guess I'm not very inspired by others. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. I just felt most comfortable making her into a person I could relate to. Like, I even make her into romance novels. Gross. <laughs> JK. Um, we also have obviously supporting characters, Louis, Amelia's brother. He's like this stand-up guy and literally the best big brother in the entire world. Um, he, like I mentioned before, is Amelia's best friend in the entire world. However, he's older than her and he's going to college. He does not move with Amelia to Savannah for this reason. You know, it would have been kind of easy for the transition to occur if Louis had gone with Amelia and well easier for her but I, I think she needed to cut that tie to him um, because she didn't have him to lean on you know and protect her she had to pretty much they could only communicate via letters which takes several days but um, you know I think it was it's a good idea that he stays back and um, Louis awesome. <laughs> I wish I had an older brother like him. No, I don't have an older brother at all. <laughs> but I wish I had one like him. He's very genuine and kind and cares a lot about his little sister. Next, we have the patriarch of the Pierce family, Noah. Um, this is Amelia's father, obviously. He's a widower. He's younger. Like, he's not young but for a man to have three kids and in this time period he just was young when he got married you know so he's still kind of young and he's very good looking duh again <laughs> he's reserved though and not very present for his children like a piece of him essentially died when his wife passed away and he keeps an arm's length from his kids i mean i don't ever read stories about parents from that era who were super hands-on especially wealthier people who were hands-on with their kids and like really involved it just wasn't how it was and then the last member of the Pierce family is Samuel. He's the youngest and he's obsessed with playing army. Um, and he uses his little action figurines to play out battles. He's very sweet and just the quintessential younger brother. You know, he's very naive and 
um, looking for that relationship with his siblings. And Amelia is his, you know, protector throughout the move to Savannah. And they actually grow a lot closer than they had in Boston, which I think is important. So the Pierce family is pretty balanced and their home life isn't really toxic or dramatic, you know, a little neglected by their father, but never like arguing or drinking or tragedy constantly, except for their mother slash wife passing away, you know, um, pretty healthy upbringing Amelia had. No, that is not reflective of my upbringing. <laughs> Mine wasn't perfect or rich or whatever but that's Amelia's <laughs> next we're moving on to William so William Livingston all right so my husband might kill me when he hears this part <laughs> just kidding he's gonna just roll his eyes a lot all right let's take it back to 2014 and babe if you're listening this is before we met okay so my inspiration and in who I envisioned William being was, are you ready for it? Henry Cavill. <laughs> I mean, ladies, wowza. He's extremely handsome and just masculine. <laughs> Whenever I was writing anything about William, I pictured Henry. So Henry, if you're listening... I am a huge fan. <laughs> I mean, uh, this at this time I was like binge watching the Tudors and he was in that just looking great. <laughs> um, thank you, Henry, for your shirtless scenes in the movies and TV shows you do. It is appreciated. <laughs> So anywho, William is, you know, this bachelor of Boston. He has a very strong reputation of being an eligible bachelor who's like decent and good and it's intentional. He cultivated this, you know, um, persona for himself because he kind of had a chaotic childhood with his mother being like an adulteress and an alcoholic so his childhood was not like Amelia's you know he definitely came from money so his parents were wealthy but he decided like he wanted to not be kind of associated with how they made their money not that they did it wrongly but his mom just messed it all up so he really wanted to like do his own thing and that's how he got into shipping which is what um Amelia's father does now we do also have several other characters like Anthony Hollings who Amelia meets and is you know kind of into because he's cute too Anthony is our antagonist I haven't decided how to make him though Will he be rotten and an obvious antagonist, or is he someone readers cheer for, like in Twilight, Team Edward or Team Jacob? <laughs> At this time, I think I want him to be someone people cheer for. You know, life isn't always that easy where we can make a decision so cut and dry, like he's good, he's bad, I want this one, you can have that one, like that's not how it works, so I want it to be kind of hard for Amelia. 
Um, next, our other supporting character who frequents the pages is Alyssa Clare, who's Amelia's friend she makes while in Savannah. Now, Alyssa Claire's name was inspired by my two nieces named Alyssa and Claire. <laughs> I'm very original. But, um, so she's a feisty redhead and kind of relatable to Amelia. You know, she's newer to the area. She's pretty modest and she's not real snotty or rude like others. And Amelia and her really connect. So... Ah, those are the characters and you know some of the people who inspired them and those characters backstories I honestly did forget quite a book quite a bit about the book and I'm enjoying catching up yeah at this moment I feel like a little scared because it's been over three years since I was like actively writing my book and I don't want to mess it up. It has like a good flow and something I was honestly worried about. My character development seems to be there. You know, in my first draft of this book, I was constantly reading it and realized I gave zero backstory and made the characters pretty perfect and one dimensional, you know, and there was no there it was boring everything was perfect and lovely and no drama we need we needed some drama um, but yeah um, everyone thank you for joining me in my second episode of Donna's lit podcast I'm extremely grateful you decided to spend time with me Um, Please remember to follow, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and check out my IG at Donna's Lit Podcast. And remember, it's always a great day to have a great day. Bye!